Yeah, maybe I won't stumble through it. Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, welcome to the 189th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. We're here with Grant Berger and the five questions. So, Grant, let me lead off with the first question. How did you get into woodworking? Um, uh, the, ooh, <laughs> the very first woodworking, how did I get into it? Yeah. Is I, ne- I needed stuff, and I didn't have the money to just buy it. Um, the very first thing I ever tried to make, and this is a pretty dumb answer, uh, <laughs> when I was in the military, I had moved out and had like a house when I, a, a few years in, and I really, for whatever reason, I wanted a horseshoe pit, and I didn't know what to do, and I bought a, this is stupid, I'm telling you, I bought a jigsaw at Walmart. Did you cut yourself with it? No. <laughs> No, but I mean, I honestly, I don't even think I finished though. I think I built the horseshoe pit and, and then no one ever came and played with me. And it was just <laughs> sad looking at it. But uh, yeah, that it, it, I only got into woodworking. Honestly, it was, you know, I've always liked making stuff, but I got into woodworking because I needed things that were made out of wood. And uh, I started to learn to appreciate, you know, being able to spend that time with myself and, uh, and, and be out in the shop, you know, but that. Just necessity, I think, at first. I think that's a more okay. common answer than you might think. I, I bet. I mean, I... yeah, it is. It is. So, moving on to our next question, what is your favorite tool? Uh, I knew that you guys were going to ask this one, and I'm not going to say why, but um, yeah, I'm tempted to say spoke shave, but I think I'm going to go even further and say card scraper. I just in, I really enjoy what you can do with a scraper. There's so many things you can do with a card scraper. You can grind it. You can shape it. Um, yeah, I don't know why card scraper. Hmm. Right off the jump, simple. So, what's your favorite card scraper? You like the thicker ones or the thinner ones? Um, let's just say. Uh, I'm deciding if I should say this. When is this episode coming out? Uh, this episode will air um, roughly uh, a week and a half from when we're recording it, two Saturdays from now. We'll, we'll just say I have, a, I have a very special card scraper that is my own design that I is my favorite card scraper that meets all of my needs. And I really wish that there was something that uh, I had had something filed before this episode so I could talk about it. But... Ah. I have my own card scraper, a very, very interesting design on one that I actually use for everything now that I, I don't even use any of the weirdly ground ones. I do like a thinner card scraper and mm-hmm. I like, I like a nice flexible card scraper. Mm. Um, yeah, I used to have a lot of different grinds. I, I still have the goosenecks and some custom mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, I like a thin scraper, big okay. hook, big hook. Ah, understood. Understood. Yeah. I like, uh, I myself, I, I love the card scrapers too. I have a b- bunch of different ones, but yeah, I mainly have my own grinds. So I don't use any of the uh, factory grinds, you know, nice. Good, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, nice, good suite to them and stuff like that, especially for, you know, doing chair seats and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, who has influenced you the most in your woodworking? In my woodworking, um, I feel like when I was at North Bennett Street, every instructor was like a different one of the seven dwarfs. In that, like, and not like in a bad way, but like, you know, you got, and I have, I have an answer that I'm going to say, and it's probably going to be super, you know, whatever. But, um, because I know like Lance Patterson, who was the the oldest instructor at the school, he taught everyone to be very discerning with their work, like don't accept less than as good as you could possibly do. Dan Faya teaches everybody to be very, uh, you know you know, common sense and practical with your work. And Steve Brown is very analytical. Um, but if I had to think about who influenced my work, spending that time I did at North Bennett street with Pete Galbert, uh, and seeing those Zen sort of way that Windsor chairs go together, I would have to say that that changed the, everything that I thought about woodworking when I made my first Windsor chair with Pete. And, uh, and, you know, I read the book and I've asked him questions and I've messaged him online and stuff and asked him stuff. So I would have to say, Pete, it kind of, it's kind of lame having someone who's like not only still alive, but relatively young and lives really close to me to say that that's it. And not something really cool like James Crenov or Sam Maloof or whatever, but you know, Mm-hmm. Maloof, Maloof's the first time I ever saw a rocking chair and went, holy shit, what is that? I just curse. I'm sorry. But, sorry uh, we don't have a show. On, at least not that show. On. Okay. Yeah, but I, Maloof's the first time I ever saw a rocking chair and was like, what is going on with that? Like, people do that. But as mm-hmm. far as actually the way I work, I think Galbert probably. So, answers Galbert. I like that answer. Tell him I said hi when he's on. We will. Uh, we'll, we will. We will. We will. We'll tell him yeah, you're not sure why you picked him, but it seems kind of, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. you knew him. Yeah. So honestly, I just don't want to be embarrassed if I see him again anytime soon and he'll be like, hey, uh, this is awkward. <laughs> All right, man. You know, <laughs> well, well, no, he has that effect because I remember I first saw him at Woodworking in America and it was the second year he was giving lectures and I heard from Shannon Roger, oh, you got to go see Pete. And I had no interest in Windsor chairs. And uh, he was giving a lecture. I didn't see it was eight o'clock in the morning. I went, I'll just duck in and see what this what this uh, Pete Galbert's all about. And within 30 minutes, I was like, I have to take a class from this man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And all you've made are chairs since. Pretty much. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I, I. Yeah, I always say whenever it comes to Pete, he made me realize that like some people are just generally in different aspects are just generally better than others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> I could have this. I could do the exact same thing to a piece of wood that Pete does and his will just look better. You know, oh, yeah. uh, it, it's a weird. It is. Skill. It is. So with that said, um, what's been your biggest stumbling block? In. In woodworking or in my career? Um, woodworking. Uh, woodworking. Yeah. Okay. And woodworking in general. I mean, are we talking like very something specific technically? Probably I could answer that. Uh, career wise, moving to Pittsburgh and living in my shop for a year set me back pretty far, I think. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, yeah. Working by myself and not progressing my skills in any way by not being around people who are better than me. I think you need to be around people that are better okay. than you if you want to get better. I can appreciate that. You know, I mean, you can you can do the same thing over and over and over in your garage. You can cut dovetails a bajillion times in your garage, and you might cut perfect dovetails. But when it's time to move on to the next thing, you know, it, it, it's just as helpful to have someone there to ask. But I know whenever I first went to North Bennett, this is something that I still to this day have to watch for myself. And I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't work out at all. I don't lift weights. I, I, in a past life I did, I don't lift weights, I, but I'm generally, and this is pretty common, I think with a lot of people in woodworking, a lot of guys, I'm a pretty big guy. I, you know, I, I, I carry a lot of muscle. And when I first got into woodworking, I would go to like chop something out with a chisel. And instead of working my way gingerly up to a knife line and chopping away waste and having these little paper thin, I remember thinking to myself often, I'd be like, oh, yeah, but I can just bash that out on the knife line right there and it's done, you know, and I started to I had to realize it took me a long time. Like, even if you are physically capable of doing something, that doesn't mean it's the way it should be done. And I, Mm. I don't know, I feel like that was kind of a thing I had to get over. Also, we got yelled at a lot at North Bennett for tightening knobs on machines down too tight. You know, a lot of the guys would <laughs> be smaller people or, or whatever, and they would be like, I can't I, I can't loosen the drill press table again. You have to go loosen it. It'd be, you know. Is that a is that a weird answer? All right. <laughs> no, that's I like where it went. No, that's not a weird answer. <laughs> <laughs> um last question. Okay. <laughs> How has the internet influenced your work? You know, there's a quote, and I think of, I mean, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the longer, the six hour pod we just did, but um, there's some, there's a quote that I, I heard a long time ago that means a lot to me. And it is, and I, I don't know who said it. I, I heard that it was like some, some first lady or whatever, but comparison is the thief of joy. And, in my estimation, that says a lot about the world of online woodworking. And, and you know, there's, there's times to be, you know, hard on yourself and, and, and work to your own standards and expectations. But I think that there are times, like, I, I actually, this is a, a thing on the, the Dusty Life we joke about. I don't know a lot of the YouTubers and a lot of the Instagram people that are talked about. I just, I, I really try to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, because I'll go online and I'll be like, okay, well, that guy can do that. Why can't I do that? That guy's making this and selling it for that. Why am I not doing that? You know, why am I not blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm not that kind of a guy, but that is something that I think creeps into everybody's mind. And it's important to remember that comparison will, you know, comparing yourself to other people will just lead to you feeling like crap. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, that is like readily available in droves on the internet, especially on Instagram for woodworkers, you know? Um, so I think that it's been good for marketing and it's been good for getting my name out there. And with the podcast, it's been fantastic. Uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say, and I I would hope other people would admit to this too, that there've been times I've I've gone online and looked at stuff and just, you know, you, you kind of end up feeling worse about your work than you did Mm -hmm. whenever you just started surfing and, yeah, I guess that's the answer I have. Is that I sometimes I kind of see it as a negative. It also opens up the pool of people that you're compared to to other people. To now it's worldwide, whereas 
you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago in 1970s studio furniture movement, it wasn't like that. You know, you were right. in your own isolated bubble. If you did great work, somebody went, wow, this guy does great work. This person does interesting work. But now they'll see your work on Instagram and then they'll go on the discover page and click the next picture of a chair or the next picture of dovetails. And they'll go, well, yeah, but this guy doesn't have as many followers as that guy or this person didn't do it as perfect as that person. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, no, it's, it, yeah. I think, I think it's definitely a mixed bag. Um, there's, yeah. there's a lot to be said for the, for the points you're making. And I, you mm-hmm. know, to go to, back to like um, the craft movement, I think that there was a community there, but it was a community in real life. So you were, comp- yes. you were, you were talking in real life to a dozen people, not having thousands of people just look at it anonymously. And it's, that's yes. very different things. Yeah. Yeah. And no big aggregators coming around, just sniping up people's images and yeah. reposting them. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, yeah, they had a lot fewer t- t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. For- I, I make things out of wood. What's your superpower? Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> or those those uh, Instagram pages that'll just show a picture of some random person's work and then be like, you know, follow us for free woodworking plans. And then and 30 lines down, it'll have their Instagram tag or whatever. You know, but that then again, we have this great community because of the Internet. So like like, you know, like you said, it's an, it's a mixed bag, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't get to go see Bjork with Kyle. If there's no internet, exactly. it's just that simple. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so I, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent. Like you can already tell, I can talk. I, I can talk. But that's why we had you on. <laughs> but I, I so I went and visited the Sam Maloof house last year for okay. Christmas. My girlfriend's from Orange County, and it was one of the places I've, I've always wanted to see it because I know he built like everything in there, and I just I've always you know admired his work and. uh they were the one guy that was on the tour with me. was a very old guy, and he was telling me a story that in the nineteen early eighties, I think he was just happened to be in that part of California in SoCal, and he was like, "Oh, I'm I think I'm close to Sam Maloof's house," and he had a uh, somehow he knew where Maloof lived, right? Uh-huh. And he pulled up to Maloof's front doorstep, knocked on the door. Within a half an hour, Sam Maloof showed him his shop and took him to lunch, bought him a sandwich. They chatted for a couple of hours, and then he was like, okay, thanks, bye. And I feel like that doesn't really – that's not as much of a thing that could happen these days. Mm. Because you know, if you gave out your location now, there would be 20,000 people a day. Well, what happens when you give out your location? Dude, I got (laughs) – I gave I give my shop address out on the Dusty Life. I and I, I don't care. I still will because I, I mean I've been sent some cool stuff. I got some beef jerky. I got a chia pet. I get some you know CDs sent to me and stuff. That's right, <laughs> CDs. CDs. I'll just say I had uh, I, I had a guy message me on Instagram yesterday, and I've had some like funny, creepy letters sent to me, but I, I know it's all in good fun or whatever. But I did have someone message me from. And I'll just say a very, very, very international location, and they there was no English involved, and they sent me screen captures of Google Maps or Google Earth of my shop while I was sitting in my shop. And uh, while I was you were like, sitting right. in your shop, well, I mean, I'm, I, 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 it wasn't like I was in it, but like it was Street View Google yeah. Maps or whatever, and I was just sitting there hmm. like, oh, okay, wait, this is getting weird now. This is the point where it got kind of weird. That yeah, I could see that. Like no, no talking really just like 
you know, Arabic characters and then a picture of my shop. And I was like, okay, that's okay. I mean, it could have been, it could have been, but it could have been totally nice. And I'm sure it was nice. I'm not doubting the positivity of humanity, but you know, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, do I really want to give my, Toth is always telling me not to. He says it's going to turn bad. So, (laughs) well, Well, I mean, that's true of anything. If you do anything long enough, something turns bad, but yeah, yeah, enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was a weird, weird tangent. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to, if you want to talk to Grant about whatever, um, <laughs> where, where can people find you online to have that discussion, Grant? Oh, I'm at Grant Burger Woodworking. You can take a look at my portfolio of work at www.grantburger.com. That's right. I got my name as a domain. Uh, and, you know, listen to the Dusty Life podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud. And Kyle? And uh, you can find me on Instagram at barton.kyle. And uh, I'm Diami Plotke. You can find me on Twitter at Diami Plotke, on Instagram at Penultimate Woodshop. And you can always check out the Modern Woodworker Association podcast. So um, don't worry about whoever's rustling around in the truck outside. Just keep the door closed, keep the radio on, and build some furniture. I mean, yeah, I actually got uh, robbed at my shop, and this is a story I don't think I've ever told on any podcast, but I was at my shop in Pittsburgh, and I work weird hours generally, and I was working, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I had actually gone to the gym to, you know, work out for a minute and and take a shower, because I never shower in my shop. Got back, it was like 2 or 3 in the morning, I'm reading a magazine, reading a fine woodworking that just showed up at my, on my little chair. And I heard something rustling outside and I heard people talking. I, and this is, I'm in an industrial park in a bad side of Pittsburgh by myself, three in the morning, no one else around. I'm not supposed to be living in this shop. And, uh, I look outside, I see flashlights on the wall. And my first, and my first thought is I have a a Mossberg 500 for hunting. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. I kind of got mad. I, I grabbed the Mossberg, kicked the door open and kind of screamed some stuff at the guys and I drew down on them and they were so close to me and I was so angry and like not thinking straight that they, they ran back to their, they had a pickup truck. They were going to go through my truck. They were already in my truck box and the toolbox in the back of my truck. And they were trying to pop open my door. They ran back to their truck. I called the cops while I had my, my gun on them. And as soon as the cop showed up, he was like, don't ever do that with a hunting shotgun. Again, that's so stupid. Because really, it was two dudes. They were big guys. They could have just grabbed the barrel of the shotgun and beat me to death with it, right? 